You're listening to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith, a podcast by the Haverford Trust Company. On Speaking of Quality, Hank chats with authors, influencers, and wealth management experts to bring a sense of clarity and calm to the complexity and stress of personal finance. And now, here's your host, Hank Smith. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. I'm your host, Hank Smith, Director and Head of Investment Strategy at the Haverford Trust Company. On this podcast, we explore topics ranging from quality investing, retirement resilience, stock market trends, estate planning, small business ownership, behavioral psychology, and more. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Madeline Bell, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Madeline is winner of numerous awards, but most recently, the very prestigious William Penn Award, awarded by the Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia. Madeline, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And let me start by congratulating you on this award. Well, thank you. And it's really a pleasure to be here. Terrific. You've had a very interesting career, uh, first working as a pediatric nurse and then rising through different leadership roles within CHOP. I love speaking with people that are loyal to uh, their companies. I've been with the Haverford Trust Company 34 years, almost as long, maybe even a little bit longer than you with with CHOP. Tell us about your journey and your path to leadership at uh, Children's Hospital. Well, I started at CHOP as a new graduate nurse, never thinking in my wildest dreams that I would be CEO of this organization one day. So I always tell new employees that they should not limit their thinking and that they should see CHOP as a place of career possibilities. Uh, But for me, it wasn't well planned out or well thought out. It was really a series of opportunities, sometimes serendipity, right place, right time. But the theme was always, I said yes, even though there were were things that were outside of my comfort zone. It was an opportunity you know, that I took for to learn, to learn from a new boss, to learn a new skill, never realizing that all of that culminated into uh, really the skill set that I needed to be CEO here. I know that you often say that your number one job is to help develop future leaders. Uh, how has that shaped your style? And I might also add, as CEO, uh, I would think one of your uh, largest responsibilities is succession. And, and how do you think about that? Yeah, I really see myself as here for a very short period of time, relatively speaking, because CHOP has been around for almost 170 years, same organization with the same mission. So given that, I have a real responsibility to ensure that the future of CHOP is in good hands. And I find it to be very rewarding to find talent and help them realize their potential. Uh, When I see somebody succeed, it's really rewarding to me. It's really one of the best parts of my job. But I also think it is my number one job to ensure that we have the talent we need um, to lead us to better things in the future. So for me, it's about being on the front lines and listening and being very uh, deliberate about creating a culture and making sure that people are adhering to our values 
uh, I have a, a big shadow that I cast and I have to use that for good and um, be very thoughtful and deliberate about how I use uh, my role and my platform. Well, speaking of opportunity, uh, there's been so much growth at CHOP. You have a, a brand new campus out in King of Prussia. Uh, I'm sure that has created many opportunities for leadership development and for people rising through uh, the, the ranks. I know that isn't your wasn't your motivation for doing that, but talk a little bit about uh, your outreach from Center West Philadelphia uh, now to uh, the greater suburbs. Well, we were um, looking at this opportunity as a way to help families uh, connect with CHOP level of care a little closer to where they might live. And it's been wildly successful. Um, I think we have very high engagement and satisfaction uh, of the employees and the patients. And uh, it's really, I think, fulfill fulfilling a need in the community and the Upper Marion community has been really welcoming to us and has really partnered, the greater King of Prussia area has really partnered with us. But as you mentioned, it actually did uh, create a great career opportunity for people who you know, may have been in their roles and didn't see a natural opportunity for them to grow. And so for all of the leaders that are out there, these positions at King of Prussia were a step up. So um, we're pretty happy with it. It's been it's been a really successful venture. It's been challenging, but it's been overall very successful. I'm sure day to day you have so much on your plate uh, that keeps you in your office, engaged through calls and Zooms and meetings, but that doesn't stop you from getting out and uh, getting to know the people that you help visiting with patients and, and their parents. And that's, that's something that uh, you're very proud of. Um, is that something that you just naturally uh, leaned into because you enjoy doing? Yeah, I mean, I think because of my background in nursing, I never really wanted to be too far away from patients and families. Um, and also because of my background in nursing, to be able to rub elbows with the staff that are on the front lines is is um, really informative to me. I learn the best you know, information that helps me make good decisions from doing that. But, you know, it's also a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun that happens here. Over the holidays, I, I volunteered in our snowflake station where we parents could order toys because their children were hospitalized. They couldn't go out and do shopping. So they could order toys for the children and we were fulfilling them. So my job was picking the toys from the shelves. We had a whole toy store set up in a conference room. And uh, it was just so fun. And I met this one mom whose child had a lung transplant and she was just talking about how grateful she was. And, you know, those kind of things are extra activities that we get to do here at CHOP that are also very fulfilling. And I bet that type of engagement and personal connection doesn't hurt in the philanthropy department, which is critically important to all nonprofits, uh, but hospitals, very, very much so. And and uh, talk a little bit about philanthropy as CHOP approaches that and uh, and how you go about engaging and raising money. Well, one thing is that we really do rely on grateful parents and grateful grandparents, because usually when they become grandparents, maybe they'll accumulate more wealth. Uh, and 
the things that we do, like the snowflakes like station, giving children toys at, at holiday time, um, or pet therapy, art therapy, music therapy, play therapy, all of these things are funded through philanthropy, as is a lot of our research is funded through philanthropy. So we we really rely on uh, patients and their families who make a connection. Um, they're really interested in, in curing a disease or they're really interested in normalizing the hospital experience for other families. And uh, those connections really help uh, us to make CHOP who we are and make it a, a better experience for our patients and families and, and certainly for our employees as well. So it's, it's also a really rewarding part of my jobs to say that I can make a connection to somebody who wants to make impact in the world and I can connect them to, to, a, to a, a place in need here at CHOP uh, and 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 make that sometimes a lifelong connection between a scientist or or a therapy that we do here and somebody. Uh, that's also a really rewarding part of my job. I don't think people realize just how CHOP has been in, engaged in so many breakthroughs and dramatic firsts in pediatric medicine. So it isn't just treating uh, patients like you do very, very well. You're also on the research uh, front, kind of a dual dual mandate, if you will. Talk a little bit about that and uh, the future of development uh, from a research standpoint. So a lot of people just see us as a hospital or an outpatient clinic where they bring their children. But we also have uh, one of the largest pediatric institutes, research institutes in the world, and uh, most successful in terms of the number of breakthroughs. And we're in the, in the process of building our fourth research building. And many of our physicians are scientists uh, and they come here to do research and to see patients and to see their research applied directly at the bedside. Uh, so it's also a really uh, inspiring part of my job is to see these breakthroughs come to fruition. And um, it's uh, something that you know the general public maybe just doesn't understand that that's a big part of what we do. As a nonprofit hospital, you're in a unique position to help communities in need. What's that look like for a system like CHOP to reach beyond medicine? Yeah, well, I think the other thing that many people don't understand is that your zip code is more important than your genetic code in terms of your health outcomes. And in Philadelphia, where we are, we have some of the poorest children in the country in our backyard. And so I feel an enormous obligation to those children to be sure that I improve their outcomes. And improving their outcomes really means improving their living conditions. So some of the things that we're doing on that front is, for example, we have renovated over 150 homes in West Philadelphia. These are children um, living in homes who have asthma. There are patients. And we're there trying to remediate the asthma triggers, the leaky roofs, the leaky pipes that are causing mold in the home. Uh, and it's very gratifying to see, you know, the before and after pictures. It's actually quite fun to see, you know, what we've done. And we've used only minority contractors uh, to do this work. And so, you know, I remember our, our CFO when I, our previous CFO, when I went to him and said, I want to have money to spend on renovating homes 
I think he thought it was crazy. But what we've shown is that we've decreased the number of times that the children come to the emergency department and the hospital with asthma because we've uh, given them a better living environment. The other thing that we do, which might be interesting to you and, and some of your listeners, is we, we do tax returns for people in our primary care locations. A lot of our families, uh, they go to some of these uh, tax return places that don't really help them uh, get the benefit of all the tax credits that they're due. And so we, we created something here. One of our doctors, one of our pediatricians, George Dallenberg, he created a program called the Medical Financial Partnership. And so when they come to a primary care practice in the inner city, um, they can get their taxes, uh, tax returns done uh, for free. And we've returned so much more money than they would have gotten. We also have um, lawyers on staff that help families with housing and domestic abuse issues. So the list goes on in terms of the things that we're doing in the community. Really, we're focused on violence and poverty, you know, all of those things that are um, really challenging and impacting the health of children. Yeah, it's so uh, not only do you treat patients, not only do you do uh, great research, uh, but you're helping the community in so many ways that uh, I didn't know about and I'm certain our listeners didn't really know about, but that creates health uh, in a different measurement of it for, for, for sure. You know, the pandemic has affected us in so many ways and, and, uh, and particularly in behavioral health and mental health among young children. And uh, maybe this was uh, still a problem pre-pandemic, but the pandemic has only enhanced uh, that. Uh, as anxiety and depression continue to rise in young people, how is CHOP going about um, beyond medicine to combat uh, this crisis? Yeah, well, it really is a crisis. And uh, the suicide rate, the number of children that come to our emergency department, our hospital have gone up uh, 30 to 40% since the pandemic. So uh, the isolation that children experienced during um, lockdowns and schools being closed, daycares, you know, activities, we are now just understanding the level of that impact. So we are investing lots of different ways. In one way, we opened a very comprehensive outpatient and day hospital center at 46 The Market in July of 22. Um, to help uh, meet those needs. And then we're in the process uh, this month of opening an inpatient psychiatric unit at 54th and Cedar in West Philadelphia um, for children. And we are doing that because there's such a tremendous need now for hospitalization and care, but we're also embedding psychologists and counselors uh, therapists in primary care practices. So when parents bring their child to the pediatrician, if the pediatrician assesses that the child's got anxiety or depression or suicidal ideation, they can refer them right down the hall to somebody who can help them make sure they get counseling and get the right level of care. So there are many things that we're doing. Um, Unfortunately, I think, you know, we're just going to be meeting some of the needs, and but it's a good start, and we're going to keep focusing on it. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has been consistently ranked either number one or number two in the nation of children's hospitals. 
Is that something you think about or, or do you just do your job, inspire other people to do their jobs and let the ratings fall where they, where they are? Well, I think that these rankings are things that people in the outside world, that's sort of the blunt interest instrument that they use to evaluate us and, and um, the community it's important to, but we really try to say, let's stay focused on creating the best outcomes for children. Uh, let's make sure that we are focused on incredible breakthroughs for children. And if we're recognized by people, that's great. Uh, but it's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a topic of conversation here all the time. And, and again, it's, it's what the outside world has these, these rankings, ratings, you know, top doctors, top hospitals, us news, you name it. And that's, that's a reality that we, we have to face. And all I can say is if we improve on our own record, hopefully it will be recognized. Um, I'm very familiar with that being a uh, former trustee for 10 years at Franklin and Marshall College. The amount of time we spent discussing U.S. News and World Report on college and university rankings was, was in my opinion, time that would have been better spent in other areas. That's the life um, we're we're presented uh, we're presented with. I heard that uh, beyond Chop, you have an ambition to be uh, a U.S. ambassador. Is there um, truth to that? And it's quite an interesting goal. Yes, there is truth to that. I have mentioned that, and uh, I always think it's important for you to have an idea of what you want to do next in your life, and and to set your sights high and uh, maybe it will never work out. I've met a number of U.S. ambassadors to other countries and other countries ambassadors to the U.S. and I just think it's a, a really interesting way to serve your country and would be uh, a way to use some of the skills that I've learned as CEO. But you know it may never happen but it's always good to have a goal. Well, I think you would be a terrific U.S. ambassador, regardless of which country uh, you were you were placed in. I love to ask all my guests uh, about some of uh, their favorite recent books, or maybe a book that's an all-time favorite. Well, right now on my nightstand, I'm reading uh, something called Horse by Geraldine Brooks, and it's a really um, nice novel. It's a historic novel that starts in 1853 and it goes back and forth between then and 2019, lots of lessons in it. Um, so that's a, I, th I think that's a, a nice way to escape sometimes from work is to, to read a novel and uh, that's a good one. Yeah, and probably more engaging for your mind than just some of the mindless TV that we're exposed to uh, day in and day out. And I have, I have all kinds of business and leadership books on my nightstand too, and I pick them up and look at them and read chapters here and there. But sometimes it's good to, you know, to disconnect and and get away from your your job and let your mind wander onto something else. That's what I uh, use exercise for. Uh, I, I walk typically sixty minutes a day, and I let my mind go wherever. Um, and and sometimes it's work, but but often it's a lot of other a lot of other things. Finally, we both share a love for podcasting. Have there been any stories that have resonated with you on your podcast? 
Oh, there's so many stories. I I interviewed Emily Whitehead, a patient. I think my favorite are my patient um, stories that I, I when I interview patients and their families. And she's a the little girl that was the first that was cured of leukemia using um, CAR T cells, so cancer immunotherapy. And she was a CHOP patient. And um, you know, she to see her. At that time, she was applying to colleges and to see her 10 years later being cancer free and for her to have the knowledge that she helped so many other children. Um, and then another family I interviewed is a family who actually got uh, the first FDA approved gene therapy, who, which was developed here at CHOP. And their child was cured of blindness um, from this therapy. And to hear their story about uh, how they discovered her blindness as a baby and how they were waiting for this research. And when it, when it was FDA approved, you know, what, what was it like? And uh, these stories are really uh, incredibly inspiring and it motivates me to get up every day and try to do a better job than I did the day before. That's fantastic. Madeline, thank you so much for taking time to join us on Speaking of Quality been a pleasure chatting with you today. To our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Madeline and the incredible work being done at CHOP, you can head to chop.edu. You can also tune into Madeline's podcast, Breaking Through with Madeline Bell, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. Our next episode will be released shortly. In the meantime, please send suggestions or questions for me or the Haverford Trust team to marketing at haverfordquality.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Until the next time, I'm Hank Smith. Stay bullish. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith. To hear future episodes of Speaking of Quality, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Haverford Trust Company, please visit www.haverfordquality.com. This podcast is provided as general commentary and market overview and should not be relied upon as research, a forecast, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt an investment strategy. Any opinions expressed are as of the date this podcast was recorded and may change at any time. And are the opinions of that commentator not Haverford's? Any opinion or information provided are believed by Haverford to be reliable at the time of this podcast's recording, but are not necessarily all-inclusive or guaranteed for accuracy. Before making any financial decisions, please consult with an investment professional.